What's going on? It's Sunday night. It's time to rock, everybody. It's time for Totally Driven Radio Rocks. My name is Bay Ragney, and we're here, and we're totally driven, and we're ready to rock and freaking roll a little harder tonight. We're going metal, completely metal, completely Blaze Bailey all night tonight, Sunday night. <clears throat> That's why this is our Blaze Bailey special. So, uh, you know, I decided to do just a, a full special, and I, and I apologize to my fans um, who tune in every Sunday night for, you know, the array of all the different hard rock and metal I do play. But um, actually, I taped this interview with Blaze last Sunday, and um, it, it was just such a great interview, and we talked about all types of things. Um, he didn't pull no punches. He was very open and honest. We got in a really deep discussion about um, – his 20 plus year battle with depression. Um, he actually mentioned about um, his friend Ginger from the wild hearts with his battle with depression, which uh, if you haven't heard a few days, actually after this interview was taped, uh, Ginger actually attempted com- to commit suicide and has been um, locked up in a mental facility in England. So it, it was just kind of uh, eerie and uh, weird that we, you know, we were talking about this a few days before um, Ginger had his breakdown. And then we we also discussed uh, you know his time in Iron Maiden, working with Jeff Tate, uh, some Wolfsbane stuff, as well as uh, his solo stuff and being an independent artist of today and um, his new trilogy of sci-fi influenced albums that he's doing, which uh, will become a book as well in the future. So it just it was a really in-depth interview. It's uh, it's about an hour long, and I figured if I played the the whole hour interview tonight. Um, it would really take away from a good chunk of my usual Sunday night television and radio rock. So I figured, you know what, let's, let's turn this into a whole Blaze Bailey special. I got a couple blocks of music to, uh, queued up to play. So um, let's do this. Let, let's get into some music first. Let's play a block of Blaze music first. Uh, I'm going to kick it off. I guess, you know, let's go back in time. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to um, the Wolfsbane days. From uh, the Live Fast, Die Fast album, here's I Like It Hot.
Tony Rooney Rocks, our Blaze Bailey special, Bay Ragney here. And there you just heard the tune Hollowhead, as well as Tearing Yourself to Pieces, both from the Blood and Belief album of Blaze. Uh, before that, from the Silicone Messiah album, we heard Stare at the Sun. Uh, before that, we went to his Iron Maiden time in his career. We did a Virus and Man on the Edge from X Factor and Best of the Beast. And we started off that block of Blaze Bailey music with... Spain and I like it hot. Um, a lot of these songs that I, I have queued up that I've already played or I'll be playing later in the show are uh, songs that Blaze talks about in his uh, interviews with me tonight, where he talks a lot about, uh, like I said uh, in the talk up, his depression. And a lot of the songs he's written over the span of his career have been, uh, you know, songs in which he's dealt with his depression. So, uh, you know, I, I played uh, a lot of the songs that he mentions throughout the interview. I uh, picked out and played tonight. So um, there's going to be more coming up later on in the show. So uh, let's get in the interview. Like I said, it's an hour long. So uh, pull up a little, uh, some munchies or whatever you want to, uh, you know, cocktail or two and uh, sit down relax. And uh, here's the interview with Blaze. It's a really awesome interview. And uh, I can't thank him enough. You know, I, I get, uh, you know, when I get these good interviews like this, I get pretty excited. So here it is. And I can't wait to share it for, with everybody. And let's do this. Blaze Bailey. So how you doing, Blaze? All right. Thank you. You know, I, 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 I love when I do interviews about, with people that I really, believe it or not, don't know much about with their career and all. I mean, I remember from back in the day growing up with uh, Wolf Spain and, and then in the 90s, you getting hooked up with Maiden and you, know, you being solo over the years. But when I really get to, like, look into, um, you know, a, a person researching this stuff, I, I uh, again, I never would have expected that uh, you at one time suffered or still do probably uh, from depression. Yeah. Now, do you go with, like through therapy and stuff like for that or medication? Because I I I yeah, suffered, I suffered from depression for many years, and I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was emotional, and um, I went to the doctor after uh, a long time. My ex-wife marched me down to the doctors and really and uh, went through the symptoms, and he said. That is depression, and there is medication to help you. And I'd never heard of this before. And once I knew it was an actual thing, the depression, then I could start doing something about it. Then I could find out what depression was and all right. of this. And so many feelings and problems that I'd had over the years um, and episodes that had affected me and uh, were down to this, and I could put it down to this depression and right. then I could start to do something about it. And it, it's been uh, 20 years, really, that that I've been working on this. And now um, I've, I've had various counseling and I've been in therapy. And I've moved from a place of regular suicidal thoughts and deep problems to a place where I've got control of that and I have been off medication for oh, wow. two years and I've controlled those thoughts and I haven't had suicidal thoughts for 
more than two years now. So I'm in a, a, a very different place to what I was 20 years ago. And of course, I've, I've never, once I knew what I had, I've never hidden that. It, it is an illness. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain and many different things can affect it. But also right. because it's, it, it, it's that there's many things that you can do about it and you can look at the world in a different way. And it, it's, it's been a long road for me and I'm very, very aware that many people don't have the help that I've got. They haven't had sure. the supportive family, friends, and I've had fans that have supported me to keep going, keep going, not knowing that I've had depression, but that kind of encouragement and, and keeping me going. And in my lyrics, then also I have talked about my feelings and my emotions, and I have an album called Blood and Belief, which many of the songs on there talk about my mental health issues. And okay. uh, there's a song called Tearing Yourself to Pieces. There's a song called Hollow Head. And both of these songs come at different angles to what those feelings do to you as a person. So I feel really I'm very, very lucky um, to have escaped some of, you know, the worst things that could have happened to me sure. because I've had such positive people in my life and people who've been so supportive. So that's it. And I, I don't shy away from talking about it. And, you know, it's not a thing that anybody could be proud of. You're not proud of having depression, but also right. I don't think it's anything that you should be ashamed of. If it's, exactly. if that's something, then if you, if you can, if you know about it, then there's something you can do about it. You know, there, exactly. there are really basic steps that you can take to improve your mental health on a daily basis. And, um, and these are things I look at now. And when I look at what's healthy, I go, I, I don't just go, well, you know, the food you eat and the things you cook and the amount of burgers that you have or, you know, the exercise you get. I, I look, what's healthy? What, what about my mental health? I've got to put that first. Well, yeah. that's going to put me in a place where I'm on the edge of a slope where I could be in a getting I could be in a bad place in a few days. So I need to be aware of that. And hang on, how do I feel right now? Am I feeling this way because I'm starting to go into some kind of depression and getting to? Or do I feel? Am I just tired? Yeah. You know, so these uh, kind of things. Are, you know, is that guy a complete asshole, or <laughs> did I just misunderstand what he was saying? <laughs> because I'm in a bad mood, I took it the wrong way. So these are these are the things that happen, and um, yeah, and it's it's been something that I lived for. I wish I'd known about it sooner. I wish I'd known about my mental health problems. I wish I could have had that tag to go. Ah, there's something I could do about that. And um, I am an emotional person. I'm moody. I'm creative, and this is a part of it. But accepting and knowing the differences between that moody, emotional state and what's actually a state of depression is, is something that I've learned. And I, I, and I don't consider myself any better than anybody who is in a hospital or on heavy medication for the mental health. I'm just lucky, man, that, right. uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm functioning and I'm in the world and 
I have great people around me that keep me going. Do you think um, the music, like, like you said, you've been off uh, medication for two years now. Do you think uh, being able to have that outlet of creating mu- music and performing music is uh, a helpful bit, uh, more like a therapy for you to help you uh, not need the medication? Certainly, um, I do. I think a part of, of, of it is the fact that you're busy. Right. And uh, Ginger from Wild Hearts, um, we were on tour together many, many years ago. And, and he, uh, I don't think he would mind me saying, he has his ups and downs with mental health. And we said to each other, we were on tour and we kind of recognized each of them. And, and the thing that we said to each other, don't think too much. Because right. if you can become introspective, and that's not always a healthy thing. So I think it's a good thing to keep busy. And uh, and that's part of the reason, you know, that, that I do keep so busy is to, because it's good, you know, it's good to work. It's good to be out in the world. It's good when, you know, you don't feel so good. Well, you have to go to work and you have to drag yourself through it. I think sometimes that's a good thing to, to not give into it. And yeah. it is a very easy thing to, to give into. And uh, if you have that pressure on you that you've got to get out there, and uh, I'm very, very lucky, really, yeah. that uh, that uh, I've been able to to recognise it and find some things that that work for me to sure. to help me through it. And I've often on my on my albums and in my lyrics, there's been either a very direct description of my feelings and how they relate to situations in my life, or there's been a metaphor that I've been able to use. Like on my Silicon Messiah album, I have a a song called Stare at the Sun, which is actually um, on the surface. It's the story of someone who is on a, a mission in space, and they're looking back at the solar system, and they're looking at the sun now so far away that it's a star that it's a tiny thing. You can't even see the earth. And wow. that metaphor is one for isolation and loneliness and the feeling that you are in a, an utterly hopeless situation and that you can do nothing about it. So yeah. that song is a, is a metaphor for that situation where as tearing yourself to pieces on the Blood and Belief album... That is an actual direct expression. You're tearing yourself to pieces, tearing yourself apart. And you're doing all of this to yourself. And that song is a very direct thing. The song Hollowhead is the lying to yourself and not being prepared to own up that some of this you can do something about. You are no, you don't have to be a victim, but you don't realize that. While wow. you're in a state of depression, it's very difficult to do something about. So the character in Hollowhead invents a medical condition that he can suffer from so that he does not have to own up or have responsibility for his own mental health. Wow. See, now I have to go back and listen to these songs in depth 
and really add now that I know the true meaning behind them. <laughs> I, I really got to get into all this stuff. So on my Infinite Entanglement album, then there's a certain amount of this character, William Black, is someone who was chosen to be a member of the crew on a mission that will go to a Earth-like planet discovered by Kepler Space Telescope to explore that planet. So he thinks. And they say to him, this journey is a thousand years because there is no faster-than-light travel. And okay. you have to you have to take care of the ship so you won't be in stasis very long. You're going to have to get up. Anything that goes wrong, any basic maintenance, you're going to have to get in and out of the ship quickly and, and all of that. You've got to have this special spacesuit attached and it's going to be close fitting it's going to be surgically attached but don't worry at the end of the thousand year mission you'll take this off you'll have your regular body you will have survived and so he wakes up on the spaceship on the mission and he discovers this is not a spacesuit this is a machine body and his consciousness has been downloaded from his own human body and put into this machine body. And now he thinks like a human. He feels like a human, but he has a machine body. Am I human is the question that he asks and he has to answer. And it is this defining of yourself that is central to the story. Does your past dictate who you are now? Or is it you and the way that you choose to define yourself now in this moment? Does that dictate your future and your own destiny? And that's how the story goes. As he discovers why he's there, why he's on that mission. On part two, which is the Endurance Survive album, it is enduring that mission of a thousand years to be to endure every day of a thousand years almost and to do the most terrible things. He finds out that he has murdered every member of the crew that are on the ship. And then he finds out that he did this in a hypnotic suggested state. And it was always planned that he would do that. No one on that crew was ever supposed to reach the new planet. They were only supposed to get the ship there, which contains genetically perfect DNA to grow the genetically perfect human beings who will inhabit the new world. And then after he has disposed every member of his crew, then the ship and the central computer try to destroy him. And that is the song Destroyer. And they try to get rid of him and stop him from reaching that new world. That is the survive. To survive this attempt to obliterate and destroy you completely, that is what the core of the Endure and Survive album is about. And, of course, it's quite dark in places. And many fans have said that they like it even more than the first album, which 
has this melancholy sadness of leaving behind everything that you've ever known, but you have a future in front of you with no regrets, a fresh start, something which is so rare in life, but everything has been a lie. The reason you were there, what you thought was a certainty, everything is a lie. And the song that describes that is called Eating Lies, where your uncertainty becomes your reality. Now, I mean, when I first like was going through and learning about this whole, uh, you know, this trilogy of albums you're doing right now, and like you said, the, the newest one, uh, Endure and Survive, like, I'm thinking sci-fi concept, it's got like, a whole concept to it, which it does. But this is this whole um, this whole concept that you're doing goes way deeper than this whole science fiction story behind it. Well, it's essentially human because it, it is my belief that we will, as humans, no matter how technologically advanced our society or elements of our society become, we will always want to hold hands with someone that we love, someone that we are close to. We will always want to stand and sing songs next to a stranger in front of a band that we love. We will always want to play sports together. We'll always want to sing together. We'll always want to get together in many ways. There are so many human things which are exactly the same now to what humans did 60,000 years ago. So I think there are elements that just won't change, but we will have these huge technological advances and uh, an element of discomfort that comes with that and something that makes us feel that we are in the wrong place, that perhaps we're not in the right time, something that is that is overwhelming. So it's based in the future, in a time when there is a private mission, someone is rich enough to be able to escape the earth, and they, someone in the, you know, with the wealth of Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and these people can do their own private space mission to another solar system, to an Earth-like planet. But they're not going to take any heavy metal singers or DJs with them, or journalists, they're going to take the richest people on earth, the self-appointed secret rulers of this world. You and I aren't going to go on that mission. It's private. What possible value can we have in their new idyllic society? None whatsoever. And so that's what's going to happen. And it was that and the idea that if you take it a step beyond, behind it is a darkness. And um, I think the elements... that that I start the story with, it is infinite entanglement. The entanglement is a quantum entanglement that comes from two electrons knowing their position in relation to each other, no matter what, without radio waves, without any visible form of communication, those two electrons, once they are connected, are always connected and always know where they are in relation to each other. Well, if humans are made of 
electrons and atoms and particles, then surely two humans that are connected on the deepest possible level will know where the other one is. We'll know the feeling of the other one. We will have that telepathy. And quantum physics says to us that these two electrons can be on opposite ends of the universe, but still know. And so if you take that to its logical conclusion, two people could be on the other side of the universe and feel deeply what the other one is experiencing. Know that there is something wrong. Know that they're in pain. And this is the element of it. So that is the entanglement and the infinite is that it is everywhere. And on some level, we're all connected. Every human is connected in some way. And um, that's the infinite entanglement. And the endure and survive is feeling as you approach this new place. That thing that connects you with the person that you care most deeply about and not knowing did they was that a real thing a real connection that i had with that person was this a deep and real love or was this a lie was this a seduction to make me do these terrible things and these are the questions that we have to answer on the endurance survive album when you uh, like started putting this all together, did you like actually sit and write a story out first? Is there like a uh, like I a, started a story? Uh, there's a song on my uh, best of album, which is called Soundtracks of My Life, called Eating Children, and it's about our son turning from a yellow dwarf as it dies into a red giant, and it will become so big that it consumes all the planets in the solar system. And so, since those planets are made from the fragments of the sun forming in the first place, they are the children of the sun. And the sun eats its own children as it dies. And that was the phase. If you know that's going to happen, someone will have that space mission. And I started to write this. I should have been writing the sleeve notes for the album. And I started writing this story. And then when I got home, my manager was saying, where are the sleeve notes for the album? And I said, well, I've got the start of this story, which I think is really amazing. And they said, I don't care. I need these sleeve notes. So, and then after I, I had this idea burning in my mind and I made a map of it and I had these characters and I started to do it and I, and I, I made a map and it's just on a big piece of A1 paper and uh, where how everything is connected and the names of everything. And that is what the albums are based on. And as I go along, I do a little bit more of the book and then the lyrics and the songs are based on what happens in that story. So part three will come next year on or around the 1st of March. And the book will come on or around the 1st of March 2019. And that oh. will be the conclusion and the final part of the trilogy will be the book. And so you'll be able to read the book and see parts that character really played in the whole thing. Where did that song come from? What, why these lyrics were used and which part of the book that these lyrics come from? 
the whole trilogy is based on that book, which I'm writing as we do these three albums. Now, have you always been like uh, into like the whole science fiction thing? Was this like, are you like a like a I Star Trek or a from, fan? from my mother as a young boy? My mother liked science fiction. We'd watch Doctor Who together. First oh, cool. series of Star Trek, Space nineteen ninety nine, Blake Seven, a lot of the old science fiction things. She liked science fiction movies as well, and we always watched Tomorrow's World, which is a you know a future program about the technological innovations of the day on on BBC TV. And um, yet we watched these together. And I think that had a lasting impression on me as well. The other side of it was that I'm very interested in how things work. And as a boy, if I had a toy with a battery and a motor in it, I'd end up taking that toy to pieces to discover what was inside it and how it worked. And I think this has stayed with me. And as, you know, I've had this um, interest in cosmology and, and physics and all of these things, as quantum physics has more has been revealed about it, then, well, in essence, it's how things work, isn't it? It's yeah. at the very basic thing, these tiny little things, well, this is how things work. And the, the, them and the way that they move and what they do together is how things work. And then the, the standard model is the rest of it. And Einstein and the Einstein's theory of relativity, that's the rest of it. So how everything works in relation to each other is another thing. So as quantum physics has, has come along with my imagination, the way it is, I just can't help but think, well, what does that mean for humans? And how do we work? And how will we function? And will right. we have a telepathy that's discovered? And, and it is my belief, and I know it sounds completely crazy, but that's just normal if you know me, that, we, that there is telepathy. And one of the things that will be discovered, and perhaps it may be 20 years away, it may be much closer, is the particle and the things that travel through us and make this telepathy possible. Perhaps telepathy is carried on neutrinos that go that pass through the human body and, and take these feelings and thoughts. I absolutely believe that there is a telepathy and that it will be discovered and science, because it's never been a legitimate area for research, as the most bizarre things about quantum physics become true, then it's not so bizarre to think that if you're deeply connected to someone, you could have a sense of what they think. Oh, I, I totally agree. So that's a part, that's a, a deep part of the story. And on the Endure and Survive album, then one of the songs called The World is Turning the Wrong Way is about that telepathic connection. 
Now, what what would happen if somebody came to you after this is all said and done, uh, you know, in two years when the book comes out and somebody says, hey, Blaze, like, I, I just I'm in love with this story. Would you be interested in making this into a TV show or a movie or a comic book or something like that? Would you be interested in anything like that? I'd have to see what my tour commitments are. So we book, you know, we what we try to do is book a year in advance with my touring and with my albums and I set my release schedule. I am the record company. I'm completely independent. I set the release schedule. I say, right, the next album will come out on or around the 1st of March 2018. That will be part three, and that's what I'm working towards. So, of course, I'm a creative person. I'm open to different ideas. The main thing in my life that I do is to sing and to write and I love to sing so that's why I'm doing it I'm not really doing this because I wanted to be famous what I wanted to be was a singer on tour and tour the world singing metal and I'm living my dream and I'm very very lucky that I'm independent I I'm tiny I'm an underground cult artist known by a few fans and I, these fans are so loyal and supportive. They pre-order my albums, and that means I can make my albums, and I can go on tour and live this incredible life as a professional singer. And I'm so lucky to be able to do that. The people that make that possible are the fans that support me as an independent artist. Are, are you happier that way? Do you prefer that instead of having that like this big corporate, you know, label behind you telling you when and where and how to somebody, do it? I think somebody said a long time a, a long time ago that no amount of money comes without strings. Right. If somebody gives you a lot of money, basically they're telling they they are saying the more money I give you, the more you do what I say. And I don't have to do what anybody says. So to be independent, to be free, to be able to work a job that you love and be supported by people that understand what you're doing is incredible. So answer me this. Do you want to be a rich slave or a poor but independent free man. And these are the choices that I've had in my life. And I'm very, very lucky to be in the situation that I'm in, to have had some of the great opportunities that I've had and to have the incredible support of so many loyal fans around the world that make it possible for me to continue. But like when... um... After the whole Iron Maiden thing, when when you, uh, I, I guess was were you fi- technically fired from Iron Maiden when they were getting Bruce back or however it went, um, like when, when that whole thing was over, did, like did you say to yourself like, what do I do now, or did you have the plan in your head like it's time to be Blaze and stand on my own, or were you thinking do I talk to Wolfsbane and get them guys back together at this point? Like, did you have a, a plan in your head at that point? No, well, what I wanted to do, I'd always been in a band, 
and right. I'd always been writing, and and I always that's all I'd ever wanted to do. So I thought, well, I don't want to go back to Wolf Spain at this point because I've learned so much in Iron Maiden musically and about my voice and about music that I I feel I've got some great ideas, and I I had some songs that I that were ideas just embryonic that I really wanted to finish and put on an album. And I had the idea to make an album and there was a lot of, uh, there was a strong science fiction element to the album. So I, I really wanted to make it. So I got a band together and using all the money that I got from I made and I made my own album. Um, and then I, I had to shop around for a record deal, but that's, it was a failure, a complete failure, because even though I got a record deal, there were no tour dates, there was no tour to go with the Silicon Messiah album, and it was a complete flop. And then I did some touring, and we kept going, and then we started to get somewhere with the Blaze Band, and I really wanted to build a band vibe and keep the band together. And um, then the management I had at the time said, oh, I think it's time to make your second album. And I said, well, I think we should be on tour because the first album uh, just hasn't had much support. Let's stay on tour and let's record the second album in the winter when we can't tour. Oh, no, you should go and record now. And the second album was a flop as wow. well. So that was failure. And and then I did the, the next one was uh, a live, I did a live album and my Blood and Belief album you know, the one we were talking about earlier, which contains yeah. so many uh, references to mental health. And then I was dropped by the label. And I had no record deal and I wasn't able to bring out any albums under my own. And I was still in this illusion that you had to have a record deal with somebody to bring out an album. And it was after that, really, that I thought, you know what? What I've thought about having my own record label before, but I never thought about it from the point of view of me, just me being the record label and just right. me on that label, just me. And I went and I had a meeting with a distributor and I said, I want to do a deal where you do the distribution and I'm the record label. And right. he just looked at yeah. He looked online and he got all some software and some figures of him, you know, my I made and recordings of this, that and the other. And he said, yes, okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. And so that's it. And uh, and that was the start of uh, Blaze Bailey Recordings. And I, I just, you know, we've, it's been up and down and we've, it's very, very tough to do. But sure. now, years after now finally we're in a situation where i can say that is when i will release the album and we can afford to do it and we can make the album and because i have the support of loyal fans that pre-order the album i can keep going and uh and that's it and I, i've done the man who would not die i've done um promise and terror and I've done some live albums and I have this trilogy now and I've re-released Silicon Messiah and I did the anniversary tour 
the Silicon Messiah tour that never was. I did it. I did, I think, 30, 40 shows across Europe, and I had my Silicon Messiah tour, and it was a big success. And uh, we really, really enjoyed going and saying, you know, when this album came out, I never had any tour dates booked, and I didn't have a tour. So this is the Silicon Messiah tour. And we did it, and things just bit at a time, you know, uh, uh, have got better. And now I'm able to, to say, and it's almost impossible, that you can say, I'm going to do three albums, and these are the dates that the albums are going to come out on. If you're on a big label, they tell you when the album comes out. Sure. But I say when the album comes out, I have a, a great manager. I work with a, a very small but very hard work, very talented team of people on the label and in the band, and it happens. We work hard, we make it happen, and we do the best possible work that we can. And we're coming to USA and Canada with the guys who've played on the album, the guys right. that have done the last four tours of Europe with me, and they played on the Infinite Entanglement album, and they're on the new album, Endure and Survive, and we're writing part three, which will come out in 2018 on the 1st of March. And we hope, if this tour goes well, that we can come back to US and Canada with part three. That's awesome. Now, have you had any labels come to you over the last so many years and say, "Hey, Blaze, you want know, to? We'd like to, you know, do an album with no. you." And turn around and said, "No, I want to do it myself." Why would they approach me? I stand on stage and sing "Freedom." I say I sing a song called "Blood and Belief." Sometimes is in my set, and it says, "They take from me my blood and belief." which is my creativity and my ability to work and record and, and make songs. So why would I ever enter myself into voluntary slavery? Right. Unless right. I was starving, unless my family was starving. Why would I ever do that? No, no. I, what I'm, price I'm, do you put on your own freedom? No, you're right. You're right. Now, how about... um? The whole thing with uh, Jeff Tate, the whole Trinity uh, tour and all. How was that? Uh... Oh, so fun. So much fun. I mean, Tim Ripper Owens, he's like the Bill Hicks of heavy metal. He's <laughs> so funny. His sense of humor is incredible, man. He's cracking up all <clears throat> of the time. The jokes we had on the boss backstage and on the stage, the banter was incredible. And he is just an awesome, awesome, on-the-money machine of a vocalist and Jeff is such a lovely person and his vocal style is absolutely incredible and I think those three voices combined with my much darker emotional voice I think we had this just a great sound I just sang my greatest hits from Maiden Era and it was such a fun tour to do it's very short we loved it nobody wanted to go home at the end of that tour. We just wanted to carry on. But that was the only time. We just had that short window that we could do that. And uh, we we managed to do it. And we had a great time doing it. So a lot of fun to do the Trinity Tour. Something, you know, I'll always look back with a great memory. I actually had a, a fan question about that from a guy, Darren, from the UK. Um, he wanted to know if you and Ripper like bonded uh, being in the fact that you were kind of like in similar situations. 
Well, we, we've known each other for quite a few years, and I've worked with Ripper in a few different places. We've done a couple of things in South America together. So, uh, yeah, we've got on very well. And because, we, of course, we've both been in huge bands and we've both been replaced by the original vocalists of the bands, you couldn't get much more similar. So we've, right. uh, we've had a lot of stories to swap about our situations and the differences and the similarities. And uh, it's always great to see Tim, you know, we're firm friends and whenever we're, you know, within striking distance, we go and see each other. So uh, he's a, 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 a great, great vocalist and a wonderful, wonderful human being. No, he actually came out and said he wouldn't work with Jeff Tate ever again. I mean, I, I was kind of shocked by that because you, you seem so happy and positive about the whole situation. Well, yeah, certain elements of it uh, were uncomfortable, but I prefer not to talk about that. Now, how about um, if Iron Maiden turns around and says, ah, we're going to do a farewell tour, um, and we, we'd like to invite both uh, you, yourself, and Paul DiPiano to some shows to do some songs together. Would you be interested in something like that? Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And one of the things, <clears throat> I don't think that would ever happen, to be honest, but I think it would be great to do one show where you get uh, like a kind of greatest hits of history of Maiden set. We get Paul and me and Bruce to sing some of uh, our greatest hits. It'd be great. It was so much fun to have the three vocalists on stage together. I think fans would love it, but oh, I don't think it would ever. But um, it's a really fun thing. I think the arguments in the pub before and after about who is the favourite vocalist and who <laughs> did the best, I, I think it'd be fantastic, man. It'd be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and yeah, I'm totally, uh, I've got no hard feelings about my time in I Made It, a wonderful time in my life. I learned so much, and the things that I learned in Iron Maiden, I put into my Endure and Survive album, the things I learned about production, the things I learned about my voice, um, writing with Steve Harris and the rest of the guys, all of that has been a massive influence. And now I actually produce my own album. So I'm the producer of my Infinite Entanglement album. I'm the producer of my Endure and Survive album. And a lot of that is to do with the time and the experience that I had in Iron Maiden. Really, a long time ago, and it was five years of my life, and it's right. 20 years ago, but it's had a profound influence on me, on my style, and sure. on me as an artist that, that has lasted, you know, and I, and I think my best is yet to come. And I think that's because of all the things that I learned when I was in Iron Maiden. Now, as uh, going through and you go through uh, YouTube and you do some searching on, uh, on Blade Daily, one of the things was I came across uh, was uh, a video I think it was titled Blaze Gets Mad at Fans or Blaze Gets Mad on Stage. And it was uh, while you're with Maiden and I, I was, they didn't show what the person had did to piss you off. But I mean, you were freaking out and you're howling at them, get them, kill them, kill them. And I'm looking at the video and I'm thinking to myself, 20 years ago, the guy in me that would have been 25, 27 years old, whatever, would have been like, yeah, 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 kill him. 
Now the guy who's closing on a 50, I'm, I was cringing watching it. I was like, oh, my Lord. Like, and nowadays, somebody would probably literally kill the guy. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Did, did, did you hear that? Ask a question? Like, you, you didn't ask a question? Did, did you, like, when you see a video like that now, like 20 years later, do you cringe yourself? or? No, absolutely not, because that was Chile. And Iron Maiden were banned from Chile. 20 years before that, the church banned Iron Maiden from Chile. They said okay. Iron Maiden was Satanist because of the artwork of Number of the Beast without even knowing anything about the lyrics or the personal uh, religious beliefs of anybody in the band. They, were, they, they, they banned Iron Maiden. They stopped them coming into the country. So 20 oh, wow. years okay. later, Metallica have been there, Black Sabbath have been there, Bon Jovi's been there. Every major artist in rock has been and played a gig in Santiago, Chile, except Iron Maiden. And so fans had been waiting, some of them, for 20 years to sure. see Iron Maiden. And this was the most important gig for them that they would have seen in their life. And we got to the venue and the tour manager came backstage and said, 40 minutes, yeah, fine. Five minutes later, the tour manager came back and said, 10 minutes. I said, what happened to 40 minutes? I said, the support band have been bottled off. And it's obvious. Nobody wants to wait another 10 minutes. If they know I made it, they've been waiting 20 years. They don't want to wait any longer. So backstage, sheer, man, when those lights went down, it was just, I would never forget it. The hair's standing up on the back of my neck now. We all looked at each other in the band like, wow. This is incredible. You could feel the electricity in the room. I mean, it was fantastic. And we went on stage and we started doing what we do and putting the energy into the show that we normally put. And I looked over to my right and Dave Murray is just completely standing still. He's backed off. He's standing in front of his amp. Yannick isn't going anywhere. But what's happening? I went over to Dave's side and there's these six guys spitting. At Dave and anybody who goes over to Dave's side. And so we got to the trooper and I stopped the show and I said, and this whole thing is on Chilean TV because Chilean TV bootlegged the show and you could find the whole show. What I actually said was, before I lost my temper, was, you six guys are spoiling this show for the 20,000 people who were here. There are people right back there, it would give their right arm to be in that front row, and you're spitting at us. So we can't do the show that we normally do because of you six guys. So you are spoiling this show for everybody else. So get out. Wow. Get these guys out. It wasn't because they were spitting at me, which is a complete insult that they're spitting at us, but what really got me mad, and the reason I lost my temper, that they thought they were more important than all of those other fans who just wanted to come and see the music, see the band, hear the music, and they've been waiting so long. And who the hell are these people to destroy that experience for all those other people? Who the hell do you think you are? 
Yeah, get wow. out the gig. I will come down and kill. I don't want you here. Why are you here? You're spitting at us. Mate, you know, and all the terrible, I mean, you don't even think about the diseases. Sure. So, so that's what really happened. But you've just got a tiny snapshot that some idiot puts online and it looks like I've lost my temper for no good reason and I'm going to jump in and kill someone. Well, I mean, it should be obvious to anybody with any level of intelligence that it's got to be something pretty serious before you stop the show. Oh, yeah. I, I, I knew it was serious because, I mean, you can tell it was no joke. Like, you were furious. I was like, wow, like, this, this is... Like I, I wanted to know what happened. Like, what set you off like that? And that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, right there. Now, another video I came across was you um, uh, performing solo. You were going to sing uh, "Wasted Years," and you said beforehand, "This is a song that they wouldn't let you sing." Yeah, that's right. Because. Um... I, I, it's one of my favourite all-time Iron Maiden songs, and I've yeah. since I've sung it many times with different bands and with uh, Thomas Faison, who is a classical guitarist that I work with when I do my acoustic shows. I do it with Thomas Faison on classical guitar, and uh, we often choose different songs that are just my, you know, songs I really enjoy singing. I love to sing, sure. and. Um, but that has to be in the right key. And my voice is different to Bruce. I love wow. Bruce's voice. He's got a fantastic range, great voice. He's a he's a hero in many ways. He's a legend with his voice and the things he's done and all of that. But that's not my voice and that's not the area that I sing. You know, I've got a different kind of voice and I'm I I sing in a different register. And I, I couldn't do that because they wouldn't change the tuning. They wouldn't tune down um, okay. so I could sing that song in the best place for me. So I think there is probably a YouTube clip somewhere of me singing that um, in the right key with another band or, a, so, uh, you know, that I've worked with over the years or, or with Thomas Faison in the right key for me. And I really, really enjoy doing it. So I sometimes put that in my acoustic set. But you have to sing in the right key for you. And... Obviously, all of the songs on X Factor and Virtual Eleven are all in the right key. They're written in that way, so I sing them in a really, you know, with my full voice. But that's sure. not a song that was written for me. That was written, you know, with Bruce in mind. And right. you have to, you have to change the tuning to put that. In the area of my voice that's strong, you have to change the tuning. Bruce is strong in a different place in his voice. And, and that's why that, okay. that I didn't do it. But, you know, I, I do like to occasionally uh, revisit those. Nice. And uh, one last question on the whole Iron Maiden thing. Uh, actually, another fan question. This is from uh, Mike from New York. He wanted to know, do you think... Um, if Bruce never decided to come back, um, would you still be with Maiden at this time? Well, I would like to think so because I was working on songs for a third album and those are songs that I put on my own Silicon Messiah album. So many of those ideas that I'd planned 
to work with, like Born as a Stranger and Stare at the Sun and Ghost in a Machine and a lot of the other songs. I was hoping to work with Steve Harris and Dave Murray, and I really thought that, you know, in an alternate reality, Brave New World uh, would have been my album. It would have been called Born as a Stranger, probably, or something like that. And that would have been the album that really turned things for us and that many of the fans that hated me um, would have gone, well, actually, I can just about stand him now. So, all right, I'll (laughs) stay with them. You know, that's it. But there's plenty of fans that still hate me. And uh, that's up to them. You know, I have nothing but great memories from the years in Iron Maiden. And I've got so much support from people. The first time they saw Maiden was with me. X Factor, Virtual Eleven is their first Iron Maiden album. New fans of the band that didn't even know about me um, have gone back, got the catalogue and wondered what the hell was this guy doing there? And then started to find out about my solo career. And, you know, I have these guys turn up at gigs and say, the last time I saw you was 1995 or 96. And I go, man, I've made nine albums and toured with everyone. And that's when you saw me. So it's bizarre, really. But people come out of the woodwork. And uh, I don't know. It's, It's... it's a time that I'm very proud of and I don't have any real bad memories about it. You know, I think I'm so lucky to have been in a situation where I was the lead singer of a band that I was a fan of for such a long time. Yeah. Did, did you ever, like, at any point, did you ever say to yourself during that time, holy shit, I'm an Iron Maiden? Oh, that's just a regular thing. That's <laughs> just a regular, regular thing. You know, try and keep myself grounded. The most important thing is the singing, performance, trying to do the absolute best that you can. But you're playing most nights. I mean, it's 10,000 people every night. is, And that's when heavy metal was right down and they were saying Iron Maiden was dead. while, While the UK magazines were saying it's all over for Maiden without Bruce, we were playing to 10,000 people a night in the rest of Europe. So by no means was it over at all. And so it was just think I, I would think to myself regularly, how could Bruce leave this? It's just incredible. The fans, the vibe of the fans, you know, and people singing along with the songs. You write a song, you craft a song, and then it's on the album, and you're hearing the fans sing that song back to you. It's just the most incredible experience and i don't know probably one of the most rewarding things you could possibly have as an artist to have that experience so regularly uh you know i would say to steve when we were on stage you know in a quiet moment how could bruce leave this it's you know and uh i think so yeah i always you know regularly used to pinch myself there's a lot of tough things those guys people look at that as those uh, rock stars or there's no luck involved in what they've done. They've worked and they've sacrificed and everything they have, every bit of success they have, they absolutely deserved. They've paid, each one of them has paid an incredibly heavy price in their personal life to be able to continue to do that and to be a part of that band and perform at that level. So it's not an accident 
it's not free. It's not something you win on the lottery. It's real work and blood and tears and sacrifice that gets you to that level and keeps you at that level. Absolutely. Now, you actually, uh, your tour kicks off this week here in the Philadelphia area at uh, Sellersville on uh, on Wednesday. Does it? There's a tour? There, there is a tour. How about that? Why? I don't know where you're where are we going? Between, between writing all these uh, this music and, and book and all this stuff, you're going to squeeze a tour in, which is even more impressive. Oh, I can see. Yeah, I've got it on my laptop now. Yeah, we are. That's exactly right. On Tuesday morning, we are flying over there. And on the 9th of August, Sellersville Theatre, Sellersville, Pennsylvania, we're in full effect, man. It, it's it's happening, and we go uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and we're going over, and we're going up to Canada as well, and we're even going down as far as Texas. We're going over to we're, we're going to Brooklyn. We're going to Poughkeepsie. We're going to Kentucky, I think. We're going to St. Louis. We're going to Texas. We're going to Hollywood. We're going to San Diego. We're going to Seattle. We're going, we're going all over the place. And it's a first for me with my own band to come over and play the set and do what I do in the rest of the world, really. And uh, I'm so looking forward to it. We really, really want it to go well because we would love to come back and do a tour with part three of the Infinite Entanglement trilogy. So, yeah, Tuesday morning, I'm off. I'm not really packed or prepared in any way. So uh, I'd better go and do that soon. And uh, I think I've got the last ride on my motorcycle is tomorrow. And that's it, man. I'm on my way there. And I'll be on to And then I get back sometime around the 10th, 11th. Uh, last gig that we have so far is Seattle on the 9th of September. And uh, I'll get back around 10th or 11th, and hopefully my motorcycle will still be there for me. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll get back to it. Very cool. And then you'll be back here next summer, hopefully. We Again. hope so. I'd love to come back because I'd love it to be a regular thing that, that I can do. You know, I've been there uh, so many times over the years. I had great tours with Iron Maiden. And, you know, with the Trinity and everything like that. So I'd love to be able to come and uh, do my own thing as an independent artist, supported by fans that I've had there for years. People that have kept buying my records and ordering my albums, even though I haven't been able to go and do a proper tour there. I've had incredible support. So I'd love it if we could be regular and, uh, and come back with part three. Absolutely. Now, where can everybody go to get the albums and uh, pre-order stuff and everything? Well, where, please go to go to blazebailey.net and go to Facebook official Blaze Bailey. Also, I'm on iTunes and uh, Spotify and all of the other mainstream places that you can get your digital downloads if you prefer to get your music that way. My 
Infinite Entanglement album is on vinyl. The Endurance Survive album is on vinyl as well. The pre-orders for that have started, and that is coming very, very soon. That will be available in about a month from now, but you can pre-order it. So however you choose to get your music on CD, vinyl, or via download or stream it, then you can find it. And it's Blaze Bailey. The new album is called Infinite Entanglement. Uh, it, part two, which is Endurance Survive. The first album is Infinite Entanglement. And I have many albums and all the things that are my own, that I own from the Silicon Messiah album are all online and available. And also you can look for me on Bandcamp and there's a few bootlegs of odd gigs that we've done as well. Oh, nice, nice. Very cool. Blaze, this has been awesome, man. I want to thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad we got this to get hooked up and uh, it was a great conversation. Okay, well, thank you for your support. Thank you. Uh, and- it's been great to talk to you. So thank you very much. I hope get the chance to see you out there on tour somewhere. You know what? I, it it kind of sucks because uh, you guys are going to be here in my area kicking it off on Wednesday. And uh, I actually uh, am taking my wife for our 20th anniversary to uh, see Roger yeah, Waters. I think, she's going, I think she will understand that uh, celebrating your 20th anniversary with me is great. That is, a, <laughs> that is It is. Hey, I might be metal, but I'm still romantic. So... <laughs> You know, it could be very, very romantic. Absolutely. So maybe you can talk to her about it. Do you want me to phone her? Talk to her about it? Oh, maybe I could swing that for you. But anyway, <laughs> have, a great, um, uh, have a great anniversary. Have a great Thank time you. with your wife. And maybe we'll see you next time. Absolutely. And bef- before I let you go, if you can just cut a quick ID for me. Uh, this is Blaze yep. Bailey, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. Totally Driven Radio? Yes. Hello, I am Blaze Bailey, formerly of Iron Maiden and Wolfsbane. You are listening to Totally Driven Radio, probably the best radio in the world. Awesome. Blaze, thank you so much, man. Take care and good luck with everything. Thank you for your support. Because when uh, take care when I was in Iron Maiden, this was my favourite song, but they never let me sing it live. <laughs> so we're doing it right now. This is about being homesick, and I miss my family, man. When I'm out here, I miss my wife, I miss my daughter. We all miss people at home that we love. But you have made us feel tonight as if we have a second home. Right here. We thank you for that. We'll leave you with this. Please don't look in the past. Don't allow yourself to be anchored to those times. Realize where you are. Be here now. And don't live for those wasted years.
nothing Torn up into small pieces and torn again And it was such a simple deception That it made me start eating all of the lies With a casual non-truth I believed in They convinced me that all of my dreams were lies Echoes of a past life that they told me Was inspired by the greed of a lonely child They will try to take my life I will make them eat their life Disgraceful, disgraced and unblemished wife Selected by the memories excuse you Every time repeating insults like a child That will never see the world through adult eyes You were looking down on me with mother's pride No decency or conscience could trouble you You'll be choking and then you will see that I am feeding you all of your darkest lies They will try to
new world is waiting for the chosen ones. When the Undivision tasks are complete, William Black will no longer be required. He must never touch that new Eden. In that place, my genetically perfect human beings will thrive. All indigenous threats will be eliminated. And our chosen few will hold dominion over that world.
Let's start to exfoliate Genetic immunity from the weapons in your hands Weapons for you ritual sacrifice To cleanse our from his latest uh, release, which came out earlier this year. It's actually part two of the trilogy. It's called Infinite Entanglement, and that was Escape Velocity, and before that was Endure and Survive. Before that, I did uh, Operation Mindcrime with uh, Tim the Ripper Owens and Blaze Bailey. That tune was called Taking on the World. Uh, before that, from the Endure and Survive album, which is part one of the trilogy, I did Eating Lies. Uh, before that one, from Soundtracks of My Life, I did Eating Children. And I kicked it off with some live Blaze Bailey doing the Iron Maiden classic, Wasted Years. So there you go. There is our Blaze Bailey special. There's our interview. There's two huge blocks of music for you. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You know, before this, I really wasn't too big of a fan of Blaze's, but um, actually talking to him turned me into a fan of his. So uh, I learned a whole new respect for the man. And uh, his music. So it was really uh, super cool for having that opportunity to talk to him. So uh, make sure you uh, to get driven and stay driven. Look for us all over the world on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, uh, like us, love us, follow us. Check out our website, totallydrivenentertainment.com, totallydrivenradio.com. Or you can look for me, Bay Ragney, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, like me, love me, follow me. Send the request. Tweet it to me. Email me, bayragney at gmail.com, and uh, let me know what you want to hear. We'll return next Sunday night with um, our normal scheduled uh, TDR Rocks with our normal array of different music and new music, and uh, uh, I'll have to make two of uh, two of my biggest fans happy with uh, some new L.E. Guns that came out this week for Becky and uh, Kyoko with some Bernie Torme. So uh, there you go. Until uh, Until next week, everybody, stay driven. Thank you. Be safe. See ya.